We're continuing our series, Christ Jesus, Our Sanctification. The series is Christ Jesus, Our, and then we're looking to Christ in the various ways that he is something for God and for us. And this uh, theme for today is Christ Jesus, Our Sanctification. Big Bible word alert. We'll come to a definition in a moment. But first, let's turn to God's word. And we'll read about Christ Jesus, our sanctification, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul's letter uh, to the church of God in Corinth. We'll see that because it says so in the section we'll read. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we'll start our reading from verse 1. Paul Called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then let's look down to verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no, no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord." What does sanctification mean, or to sanctify something? The simple term is to be made holy. Well, what does that mean? If we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, and it would apply in wider religious spheres outside of Christianity as well, it's something being set apart for very special use. That's really what it means, to be sacred or to be holy, to be set apart for special use. Now, we're going to limit it, of course, to the reality of holiness as it relates to the only God. And holiness then that becomes that of the people that he redeems to himself. That he brings to himself in the salvation that he provides and offers in Christ Jesus. They become holy people. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart for special use. So we're going to think about it in this way. That we're set apart for special use by God. Now that means that sanctification is one of the greatest topics that we can spend any time thinking of. Because we're lifted out of any sense of feeling that we're useless and we're worthless. 
Christians sometimes can just descend into a feeling of not being able to do anything. Not just Christians, but people in the world sometimes can look at their lives and think it counts for nothing. But the wonderful truth of sanctification and Christ Jesus being our sanctification is that in Christ, God takes people and makes them useful in a very precious way to himself. I can't think of anything greater. It's a product of God's salvation. It's an aspect of it. Now we should consider sanctification as something in the past and something in the present that is ongoing. It does have a future element, but I don't want us to look at that today. I want us really to look at sanctification as something that has happened in the past in Christ, because we've read about that, and something that is ongoing. So we're thinking about a process as well. God is holy. God is holy in that he is set apart. Who's he set apart to? He can't be set apart to anybody because he's God. So God himself is the absolute. He is holy. Now he is set apart from absolutely everything else that exists because he is, we believe from God's word and from the evidence around us, he is the creator of all things. Therefore, being far greater than that which is created, he is set apart. And that by an infinite degree, if we can even get our minds around it. Because that which has been created is finite. We operate in time and space. God doesn't. He is limitless. He is eternal. And he inhabits eternity. Now, we're into the realms of our minds just being exploded. But it's just trying to remind us here at the very beginning that God is holy. And when it says that God is holy, it means that he is so far removed from everything that he has created. Absolutely perfect in all ways. And he is so far removed from us as human beings because we're sinners. God in all of his absolute perfection had made creation to be what it is, glorious. And humanity to be the pinnacle of that. To actually reflect him and to declare his glory in huma through humanity in all of creation. But humanity has decided to turn away from that unique relationship that existed between the creator and the created being, humanity. Felt we could do it on our own. He is the eternal life. He is the source of life and the one who sustains life. And yet, at the very beginning, humanity was deceived to consider that we could have autonomy. We'll do it on our own strength. That meant a separation from God and an impurity, <coughs> imperfection of infinite degree from that which is God. So fallen sinners, those who have fallen from the glorious position that God had in store for us, those who have fallen from that, are so far removed. God is infinitely far removed from us. We're unclean. We're impure. And because of that, we cannot be permitted access to God's presence. But looking at our text, in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes to a group of people who are described as those sanctified in Christ Jesus. To the church of God that is in Corinth, 
to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. God has done something absolutely astounding in Christ Jesus, who is God's own eternal Son. That means that we can be brought from that position of being so far removed to be taken and brought right near to him. It's a work that only God could do because the work is infinite and the work is eternal. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Christ, the name Messiah, the anointed one, the one that God had promised, the man who would on behalf of humanity live the life that humanity should have lived. Jesus, the saviour, the one who in his humanity would then bear the judgment of God against sin. The exclusion from his very presence for a time. In Christ Jesus, we are brought near to God. And this is what we're thinking of about sanctification in the past. This sanctification here is something that has happened. Sanctified in Christ Jesus. How are we in Christ Jesus? It's by association with him. It's effectively saying, I'm with him. Now, what changes our attitude from thinking, God, I want to have nothing to do with you, to saying, I'm with Christ. It's God himself opening our eyes and the eyes of our hearts to see in what he has done in Christ Jesus, the Savior, the eternal Son of God in human flesh, who died on the cross for humanity and for the sin of those who would believe. It's seeing that he has provided the means by which we can be reconciled to God and to be with God forever. When God shows us that, then we say, I'm with him. Because there's nothing in me that can bring me into that relationship with you, God. Christ alone, sanctified in Christ Jesus. I had an experience in uh, my previous uh, work life when I once went to London to meet a chap um, who was a prospective customer and he said you need to come to this address in London and when you press the buzzer you need to say you're with me and it was a very fancy um, gentleman's club uh, don't take the American connotation of that uh, but the, the UK uh, understanding of a gentleman's club so I arrived at this place not really understanding <laughs> Uh, what it was all about press the buzzer and this very austere voice from the other side says yes can we help you and uh, he says uh, yes I'm David Woods and I'm here with such and such and I wasn't actually with the guy and they said certainly come in we're expecting you that sort of thing and this automatic grand door just opens and then I walked and we went to have a business lunch in a very fancy place and fortunately he was paying um, but it it was exclusive. And the only way anybody could get through that very grand door at that address in London was by invitation and by association with somebody. If you weren't part of the club, you weren't getting in. It's not a, a metaphor that really conveys the fullness, never will, of what it is that we're brought into by association with Christ Jesus. But when we say we're with him, we are that forever. We realize there's nothing in ourselves that grants us entrance into all that God has for us if it was not for Christ Jesus. 
set apart to God and for particular special use. Paul is one who repeatedly in his letters speaks about being viewed by God as being in Christ. So when somebody by faith sees that Christ is their only means of entering into everything that God would have us enjoy in the infinity of who he is, in the eternal glory of who he is, and we can't have anything of that if it was not for Christ. When we take hold of that, then Paul uses that term in Christ to say how God views us. When he looks at Christ, the one he has provided to be the means of our salvation, and we have exercised faith alone in Christ Jesus on the basis of what he has achieved for God and for us, then we're counted by God as being in Christ. Who is Christ? He's God. We're associated with God and that forever. Theologians have called it union with Christ. Union with Christ. We are brought in to all of the glorious eternal blessings of God himself by faith in Jesus Christ. So that's sanctification in the past. And what was required for that? In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, we read there that it says, By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We have to look back to the cross and see that there, when Christ Jesus died on the cross, this was God himself dealing with our sin. That which is viewed by him as uncleanness, ungodliness, rebellious dirtiness. And he sees in the perfection of his son, who was prepared to bear God's judgment for all that we have done. That we have salvation. It's a single sacrifice. Once for all. Single offering. Perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified. Now this brings us into the, the next element. Of us being sanctified as well. Perfected for all time. What's perfect? God. We're perfected for all time. That moment of faith. When we realise that God stands for us. Before God himself. We're brought into that. But we're being sanctified. Oh, just to really drive this home, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And as you're doing this, let's just say something about Paul writing to people who have been set apart to God for eternity in Corinth. Corinth was notorious. Uh, there were phrases that were used back in the ancient times when Paul was there and before it. That if you were doing things which are immoral and are on the borders of what would be even considered acceptable to the people of the world, um, you were being Corinth Corinthianized. There was a proverb and said, it's not for every man to make a voyage to Corinth. It was such a depraved place that... This, this just blows our minds to consider God's grace. But Paul goes there to preach the good news. That people can be brought from the depravity of their sin, which was expressed in that city of eighty to 100,000 people, up to all sorts of things. 
they can be brought from that to God. So there's hope for everybody. Look at this section in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And such were some of you. Paul is saying here that people who persist in that sort of lifestyle and activity have no place in God's kingdom. Why? Because they are living for themselves and want nothing to do with God. That is the essence of sin. That you do everything for your own pleasure. And it's described there. And Paul is saying to the people that he's described in the opening um, Thanksgiving section of his letter. You're sanctified in Christ Jesus. You were once this. And you've been brought out of it. So near to God now. For eternity in Christ. And now you're useful to him. Rather than just being useful for yourself. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege. The kingdom of God. Paul, Paul was warning the church in Corinth that they were to live up to that which God viewed them as being in Christ. Because people in the church were actually slipping back into the ways of what they'd been doing before. The sin nature that resides in us still, even when we have been made a new creation through faith in Christ by God's grace, still the sin is there and it can come and it's very attractive to self. God says, you're with me. And if you're with me, you live like me. How can you live like me? You look to Christ Jesus. So here is a warning. And the expression of the kingdom of God describes people who live under the authority of God's reign and God's rule. And they'll live in such a way that they're living up to that life that God has brought them into. And if they do fall back, then they'll lose their place in the kingdom of God. Now, this is not speaking about losing salvation. It's speaking about losing your place with those who live for God's glory. Because we're told that we're sanctified in Christ Jesus and that is forever. So in a sense, we're, we're called by God to live to that which in the moment of our faith we said we were aspiring to be and we could not be if it was not for Christ. That makes sense. It's, this is who you are now. Now live it. In the moment of faith you saw in Christ absolutely everything. Now you are unable to live by him. Notice in, in verse 11 there, it says that you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Here's a great truth, that God himself comes to live in us at the moment of our salvation. Paul writes about it elsewhere. He says, at the moment you put your faith in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God himself comes to enable you to live up to that new life 
that is yours in Christ Jesus. Sanctified, cleansed, brought away from all that is impure and just hedonistic, self-fulfilling horrificness. If there even needs such a word, you're brought from that to live for God and help to do so by him. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 as well. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, 9 and 10. Emphasizing the point that it's faith in who Christ is and what he has done that sets us apart to God and that forever. But sanctification is not just speaking about being set apart to him. It's being set apart to him for a purpose that we would be used by him for his glory. Look at these verses, Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul was saying to the same group, a similar group of people in Ephesus. Look, God has saved you by his grace. You've not earned it. He's brought you to this high calling. Now you live it. Because God has prepared this life for you before. So God expects those who are saved in Christ Jesus to live the life that he has in store for them. To live under his authority in his kingdom. Now I need to move to considering about sanctification now because the scriptures, as we thought about it from the Hebrews 10 scripture, perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So there's an ongoing aspect. Why is that? Because when we've been saved, in that moment we've seen in Christ our only salvation. But very quickly, self comes back in, doesn't it? And we have to step back from anything that we felt was self-fulfilling. And anyway, achieving something for ourselves and for other people. We have to step away from that and realise now that we live absolutely for God and do things His way for the good of others and for His glory. And it's not straightforward. I was thinking about this. My, my friend Clifford, some of you will know or remember Clifford. Um, I, I went through GCSEs into A-level then onto university. Clifford took a different path. And he left school after GCSEs and became an apprentice. He was an electrician. When he joined the company he did uh, to learn what it was to be an electrician and get all the qualifications, he was still called an electrician. So the day he started there, some of us still trundled on through education with no name, um, trying to find our way. There was Clifford who gets into a company and he has the title of an electrician. Now on the first day, I would not have trusted Clifford Smiley to come anywhere near my house and do anything with my electrics. But three years later, that guy was fully qualified and is an electrician to this day. Again, the metaphor fails, but I wonder if it's a helpful thing for us to see. That the moment we have put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus to be our saviour. We're set apart to God. We're in Christ. I'm with him. 
We're a Christian. And we've started then on this apprenticeship that we might live to look like Christ. Now Romans chapter 8, it tells us, Romans chapter 12 actually, it tells us that through Paul again, he says that God is doing a work in us that we will be conformed to the image of his son. That's what God is doing with us. So this sanctification we're thinking about now is this process of becoming increasingly set apart to God in our lives by making the right choices and decisions. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be that anymore. By God's help, I am going to be helped to be more like Christ. I'm going to live as God would have me live to enjoy everything that he has in store for me. I put it this way. It's becoming increasingly useful to God. By virtue of distance from that which defiles. And through proximity to God himself. If you imagine a, a line of a continuum. This is where you were before you were saved. With everything that was all about yourself. And in the moment of your faith you saw in Christ. Everything that you couldn't be and everything that he was. On your behalf before God. And you said I'm taking that. Because without it I have nothing. But then that perfect standard of the life is here. And you realise then that you have to make decisions and choices along the way. Because the tendency of the human life is still to go after the things that are here. But as life goes on, day after day after day, moment after moment even. And God is saying, through his word and by the working of his spirit, you live this type of life. It should be a progressive thing. As we learn from mistakes and ask for God's forgiveness and for help to overcome. We move forward by the Spirit's help, the sanctified life. Paul wrote another letter to a church in another city that wasn't that far removed from Corinth in terms of its depravity. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, he said this to them, This is the will of God. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. And then he qualifies what it meant for them in their setting. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honour. Not in the passion of lust. That no one transgress or wrong his brother. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. God has called us. Did you notice that in the reading in 1 Corinthians 1? That we've been called by God to live a particular life. And that will find us serving with other people. Who live the same life. Under the same authority. Who will leave the things of life that are just self-serving. And God says are defiling. Immorality. Even attitudes. Don't transgress or wrong your brother. That comes down to hard attitude. You'll leave all that behind. Because God has not called us in impurity. We're not just to carry on as if nothing's happened. But in holiness set apart to him. So God the Spirit helps us. Is that enough? No. God in his grace has given us his word.
the Lord Jesus, when he was here, said to people he was talking with one day who were just really struggling with who he was. The Jewish leadership who were self-seeking. He said to them, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he was saying to them, Look, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. He went on to say to his followers, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm the truth. I'm the absolute standard. He then said to that same group of disciples in John 16, he said, The Holy Spirit, whom I will ask the Father to send to you, he will guide you into all the truth. The truth about him that would set us free. And then John brings us into a prayer that the Lord Jesus made to his father in John 17. Where he says, sanctify them, the disciples, in truth. In the truth. Your word is truth. You see the flow of that? Jesus says the truth will set us free. Free from what? Free from everything that would just ruin our lives. He wants us to come into the freedom of what it means to be children of God. And he says, I am the truth. And the starting point of that, and the end point of it too, is who I am. And the Holy Spirit, whom will give to you, to help you, he'll guide you into it. And then in his prayer, he says to his Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is the standard by which we live, because this tells us who God is, and who Christ is for us. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 again. Those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. He's my Lord and I will live for him. So here were people in the church of God in Corinth, a designated group of believers who said, we're going to live this life and we're going to do it the way God says. They're identified as the church of God in Corinth. But notice how Paul says, called to be saints, the word means holy ones, so those set apart to God, with those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, you're not alone in this. You're joined with other people who are doing the same thing in the same way. Sanctified in Christ Jesus doesn't just apply to you guys in God. It applies to all those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. But he says then respond to the calling to be saints together in every place. So God's purpose is not that we carry on as lone rangers after salvation. We're to be together in service for him in churches of God. That's what we see here in every place. Notice what Paul went on to say in the next little section about what it meant for them as a church. He said that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. Guys, he's saying to them, God has given you so much. You didn't deserve salvation. You've been given that. And along with that, you've been enriched in all speech and knowledge. You're not lacking any gift. God has given you the abilities and the talents and the gifts to do things that you could not do before. And you're being sustained by Christ until he returns. Well, what a description of people who are together serving in the church of God. Enriched, not lacking any gift, and sustained because God is faithful. And 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, You were called 
into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God calls. He calls us to salvation in Christ Jesus and he calls us then to service, to be useful to him. Set apart to him by faith in Christ, but set apart to him for service along with others in a church of God. This is a description here of the network of churches of God that existed in the first century. And today, we in churches of God are seeking to replicate that pattern that we see in New Testament writings. Join churches, same standard, the word of God with all of its primacy, the truth, agreed practice and doctrine, doing things the way God says they should be done. Little point, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Some of your versions will say fellowship with his son. The Greek says fellowship of his son. It belongs to Christ. The churches of God, together in their unity, belong to Christ. He is our life. And that life is expressed in the individuals who come together in service for him in churches of God. It's amazing. And then we jump to verse 26. And Paul says, consider your calling. Think about it. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful or of noble birth. And God chose the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong. What is low and despised, what's counted as worthless in the world, according to its values, as nothing. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Wonderful truth of this is that God's grace extends to absolutely everybody, everywhere, in whatever situation they're at. There is nobody who is beyond the reach of God's grace, whatever they have done in this life. That's one lesson. But God in this is saying to the church of God in Corinth, look, don't be down on yourselves. He says, not many of you are wise. That means there were some who were considered wise in the world. Don't just take it that God takes that which the world considers absolutely useless and nothing. He brings from everywhere. People who may have a wisdom that is regarded as something precious in the world. There may be people who have noble birth. They may be people who are super strong. But not many of you are like that. God will bring in to his purposes all kinds of people. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. There are no barriers. So a church of God is to be a place where there are absolutely no barriers. That's important. No class barriers. No race barriers. No preference barriers. I think you know what I'm getting at. God's grace reaches to everyone and his desire that is that his wisdom is declared to the world in what the world looks at and thinks, how is it possible that that group of people can be together and get on with one another? That's what he's looking for in a church of God. And that's what he was talking about here, Paul was, to the church of God in Corinth. What can we do for God? God enables us to do for him what his will is by the power of his spirit.
Let's finish up with that little section in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Because of him, you're in Christ Jesus. There's the term again, in Christ Jesus. Association with him, union with him, identified with him. Who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There it is. Christ Jesus is our sanctification. Past, present and future. He's the one we look to now. And are helped by the Spirit to see through the Word of God. As to what it is that we should choose every moment of our day. So that we would be useful for God. That's open to everybody. And a church of God is to be a place where there is such a gathering of people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, people who have been extracted from being obsessed about themselves to now being obsessed about the things of God. That's what a church of God is to be. And we're not to be people who put any barriers up at all. This is the wisdom of God. This is the righteousness of God. This is the sanctification of God. And this is the redemption of God in Christ Jesus. So we're not boasting about ourselves. In our very service that we're called to. In a church of God together with other churches of God. As those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. Are being sanctified in Christ Jesus. And will be. We're serving for God's glory. Boasting always in him.